there, my name is Shane Craddock and this is the Inner Edge podcast where I share a different take on how to lead and live a sustainable high performance life. Over the course of different episodes, I'm going to challenge the belief that tension, stress and struggle are essential to success and creativity. My experience is that there's an easier way, there's a better way and indeed there's an essential way that we need to explore for the times that we live in. So let's go ahead, let's jump in and explore. I was looking at some really interesting research recently um, in a very powerful book, I think an important book called Stolen Focus by uh, Johan Harry. I think I got the name right. Um, incredibly important book. I would encourage you to read it if you're interested in improving your own performance in any context, but just in terms of living, actually very important. Um, well, two of the things that, that, that I, I'm going to bring into this particular podcast are one is uh, they were showing that the research study done a few years ago, now this is pre-pandemic, I think it's gotten worse since, but they were showing that the, in the US workers, uh, they reckon were being interrupted every three to four minutes in their work, right? Now that's shocking if you're trying to think about productivity and staying focused and concentration, getting things done. Um, but I do believe this translates into Europe, into the UK, into Ireland as well. Certainly I can see it with uh, people, when I start to work with them, that interruption has become almost just kind of common, so common that people don't see anything wrong with it. And one of the main problems is our phone, one of them, and also the way we use email and things like that, messaging apps. But then another bit of research in the book that was flagged, which I'd seen before, but uh, was a nice reminder, was that you know when you're focusing on something, your concentration doesn't stay at the same level. As you get into it, it goes deeper, which kind of makes sense. It's common sense. But if you interrupt that concentration, they're distracted by a text message, for example, or an email, or maybe distracted by somebody talking to you or a Teams call or something like that, unexpected. It'll take you about just over 20 to 23 minutes on average to get back to the same level of concentration that you were before you were interrupted. Now, if you're a leader, um, that should be of high attention to you because that is very scary in terms of what it's doing to not just getting things done, but the quality of what's getting done. Now, I'm going to get into the episode today about attention. I just want to flag, if you're interested in doing a little bit more with me, I've been going on about this attention issue for probably over 10 years. Um, and I created a program to kind of get to the, to the nub of it, but also to teach people how to get their attention back. And the results will be better, better energy, better results in your life and work, better sleep, better clarity, better confidence. And I'm not just talking BS. It's my MindShift program. I'm going to put the link in somewhere around this particular episode. It's a virtual program. You can do it from anywhere in the world. It's eight weeks of working with me live in a group setting. Don't let the group setting put you off. That's actually part of the fun. And I know you're probably going, oh, I'm just sick of Zoom. I'm sick of virtual things. Listen, get over yourself. This works with me. It's not your average type of program. Um, it will teach you the core skills to get an inner edge. It works. So if it's Zoom or whatever it is, who cares? Let's just do it and get it done. So anyway, that's me being slightly more aggressive with my plug than normal, but I, it's because I'm so enthusiastic. The next one is on first week in October, but it's limited places. I'm flagging it now because um, there's an early bird available, I think, until the end of July. And maybe I might see you there. Let's get on with today's show. Right, so... Today, we're going to be talking about something incredibly powerful, something that companies 
spend a lot of money to get your attention. Do I have your attention? Well, you're here, so let's go with that for the moment. I suppose the key thing I want to explore in this episode just a little bit is, because there's so much to do with your focus, so much to do with your attention that we could go into. But here's what I'm going to say just to kick it off is where and how you apply your attention determines the quality of what happens. It determines the quality of your results, determines the quality of your experience, determines how much stress you have. It determines also your level of clarity. And most people don't really think about, I think maybe a key bit here, which is putting your attention on, 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 on your thinking and the certain types of thinking really, really is probably the determining factor in what happens in your experience of life. Now, your attention to me is a little bit like a flashlight. You know, you can be in a dark room, you turn the flashlight on, and in the dark room, all of a sudden, wherever the light is pointing is what you see. It comes to life. You can now see it. Turn the light off. It's gone. Your attention's a bit like that. So I could be focusing my flashlight on one part of the room or one part of my work or life, and I can see it very clearly. But there's other stuff going on in the room that I'm not aware of, and I think that's something to be aware of. That's where things like blind spots come in, or we can kind of consume ourselves with a problem, put our attention on that problem, consume ourselves. So we're just over in a tiny, tiny part of the room thinking that that's all that matters. But there's loads of other stuff going on uh, in the room of our lives, the room of our work. Now, um, maybe to help this a little bit, if you could imagine um, a long horizontal bar in front of you, and on the left-hand side of that bar, you've got 0%, and on the right-hand side of that bar, you've got 100%. To me, that represents almost the continuum and capacity of your attention. So if I'm in the zone or in the flow, I'm probably putting, you know, almost maybe 100% of my attention into the moment, into what I'm doing. Um, but for most people, that's not the norm at all. So I could, I could split it out in very simple terms and say, I could have maybe somebody in front of me working on a task. And I know that a percentage of their attention is focused on the task. And also a percentage of their attention is focused on thinking. So you could have somebody literally sitting down, apparently in a meeting. You think they're listening to you, but they're not really. They're kind of maybe 40% listening to you, no matter how good you think you are. Um, and then the rest of the time, they're, they're focused on their thinking. And they don't even realize half the time that they're doing that. It's kind of unconscious. So even if I'm working with somebody, part of my job is to figure out ways to get them out of their thinking and into the conversation, into the room. That's part of, I suppose, once you see it, I think then at least you can kind of work with it. So just because somebody's sitting down looking at you, nodding your head, I think we can both agree. That doesn't mean that they're listening to you. In fact, listening is, a, is an interesting topic in itself, but I'm not going to go into that today, but I think you can guess almost where I go with that. Slightly different angle on attention then would be, <clears throat> but bringing it back into the thinking, because this is the inner edge. I remember reading a book many years ago. I think it was called The Magic of the Mind or something like that, but... I remember there was a story um, about I think it was I think it was a tribe in Africa where they had certain um, beliefs or superstitions in the tribe, and the way that they ran the tribe, I suppose it would be similar to a lot of tribal communities. But if somebody messed up, and I think there was a situation where perhaps one man had raped a woman, um, serious mess up. And the tribe elders got together and then they banished the member. But not only that, they gave him the dreaded tribal curse, 
which was basically that um, for doing what he did, he would die within 48 hours. Um, now, such was the power of belief in that tribe that if you got this curse, um, literally you would die within 48 hours. Now, whether you believe that or not, I didn't see the tribe, I didn't meet them, but I suppose as a metaphor or analogy for what I'm trying to show here is that that kind of thing to me is possible because essentially that is self-hypnosis. If you're talking to anybody who's in hypnosis, what they say to you really is hypnosis really is the origin of the word hypnosis is hypnos, which is a Greek word, I think, to sleep. So most people are walking asleep. They're on autopilot, but they're hypnotized by their own thinking and they're putting their attention into, well, this is who I am. This is how I behave. This is my life. This is my story. And they don't really consider that they're putting their attention, feeding the thing that perhaps they want to change. And it's just like that tribal member where you're kind of going, right, as soon as he was cursed and banished, in his mind, it activated the dreaded belief system that they all have, which is, oh, I'm going to die in 48 hours. And literally the power of that would convince them, convince them to shut down their body. And I've seen this so many times in my own life, in my family. I've seen it with myself when I was depressed. Um, but I've also seen the opposite where you can kind of go, oh, I can actually use that to my advantage. I can actually put my attention onto positive beliefs or positive I was going to use the word dreaded word positive thinking because I'm not a massive fan of that, but positive certainly beliefs or to challenge your thinking or at least to say, well, hang on, do I, do I want to put my attention into the problems here, which most people do unconsciously because our brains are hardwired to be attracted to the negative. That's why the media, I think, does so well. And that's why I think the media feeds negativity um, because we're hardwired as human beings to kind of look for threats or be pay more attention to the negative. It's also one of the reasons why social media is so dangerous because one of the things that happens with the algorithms is that they are looking to increase your engagement. And what they have found now in social media is that, or the algorithm has discovered is that if they put more negative information or pictures or videos in front of you, we tend to pay more attention. So therefore it starts feeding them to you. But that is a scary thought. Um, there's a kind of a, a, a well-known metaphor in some of the mental uh, development circles around uh, elephants and, uh, you know, when they're in a circus. And the way to kind of control an elephant is when they're very small is you put a rope around them and you tie them to a stake. So they can't pull the stake up and it's stuck around their neck. Um, and so you just, every, every, every day, you just tie them to the stake. And as they grow up, they become huge if they wanted to, they could just rip that stake out with not much effort. But because it's been there all of their lives and because they've paid attention to it and that thought or belief has become fixed, the elephant never challenges to pull that stake because it's a fixed belief system within them. And in a way, that's a very powerful metaphor for all of us is that there, no matter who you are, no matter how good you are, there are going to be areas where you've had you have a stake that you've just been believing or paying attention to um, and not really thinking about, oh, hang on, logically, I, I could step outside that. So a few different angles there, I think, to consider. But overall, what I'm really putting out here in this episode is that we live in a world that is compromising our attention. Now, part of that is external, social media, advertisers, businesses. Businesses put a high value on getting your attention. The high value, the more you're engaged, the more money they make, particularly online and particularly with um, the larger tech companies. 
Um, it's not necessarily for your best interest. That's the way. And I'm and I've worked with some of these tech companies, and I use all of their products. Um, I value them because they are useful. But I think we need to strike a balance. And I think this conversation is going to come to the fore, hopefully sooner rather than later. So, what kind of thinking are you paying attention to, though? Because I think while there's the external, then there is also the internal. And we need to consider, well, hang on, like, am I stewing on problems? Am I stewing on somebody who's annoying me? It's not to say that you don't want to change something or have a conversation, but if you keep on stewing on certain types of thinking, it does block inspired doing. I hadn't meant to make that rhyme, but anyway, there you go. That's the gift. Uh, <laughs> this is me laughing again at my own jokes, talking to myself. I wonder if there's anybody actually out there listening to any of this. But anyway, I, I have a quote I wanted to share with you because obviously, as you, you may know, um, I collect quotes, one of my little nerdy habits. And one of them is by one of the top psychologists uh, who ever lived, William James, American psychologist, very smart individual. Um, and this quote he has, now he, was a, he was massive around attention, but this is back, I don't know when, he, but this is like perhaps even, what, 80 years ago? The faculty of voluntarily bringing back a wandering attention over and over again is the very root of judgment, character, and will. I'll read that again. The faculty of voluntarily bringing back a wandering attention over and over again is the very root of judgment, character, and will. An education which should improve this faculty will be the education par excellence. Par excellence. That's my French little accent on that. But an education which should improve this faculty will be the education par excellence. Does that not say at all? Is that... You're talking about the top psychologist or one of the top minds that has ever been in this area is raising attention is the thing. The question is, what are, what are we doing about our attention every day? Because it is caught up with different things. And where your attention goes, as they say, you know, things will grow. So, for example, there was a time when I would have been very obsessed with my poor health or even my poor mind not realizing that because I was so obsessed about it, it was actually making it worse. And when, when I realized, oh, hang on, my attention is feeding this. It's actually growing this issue. I'm going to take my attention back and I'm going to start putting it into more positive outcomes, more positive areas. It's not to say that you don't acknowledge the negative or the challenges. Absolutely, you have to. That's why I don't believe positive thinking in the way that it's talked about today really works. Um, on a very practical level, just for what it's worth, I would suggest taking all social media apps off your phone. They're a temptation, a temptation that most people can't resist. And looking at social media in particular, I would limit your time daily. But also, I do the same thing with email. I'm still surprised about how many email just, how many people let their email just ping up or they keep jumping into it. Again, distracting themselves from that most valuable commodity of concentration of deep attention. So one of your most valuable assets in your life, in your work, in your leadership, is your attention. Companies make billions from it, so maybe we need to place the same value on it. That's it for today. Ciao.